Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quilla. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening. We're here again, and tonight we have a very special guest who's really involved in Warrington, Hammond, all over the states. I was about to say, statewide. Yes. You've got statewide appeal. And also county. Oh, <laughs> and county. Anything else? A little tease, because we're not going to introduce you just yet. We'd like people to try and guess. What would, where, where, where would they see you? Uh, they would see me at ball games. They would see me at the 4th of July parade. Mm-hmm. They would see me at some school functions when we're giving out awards. There we go. All over. Uh, they may see me uh, at the cemetery once in a while. Yes, above ground. Still. Above ground. <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes as it's, long as, it's, it's <laughs> Hopefully for a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't recognized the voice, we have Mr. Burt Little here tonight. Thank you for joining us. So glad to have you here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to so, be a good one. So I do have a quick quick story. Okay. Totally unrelated to anything. Of course. But I'm going to forget it if I don't, because it, it just happened like within the past few days. So I'm, I'm in the Flavel house and a visitor... And I hope that it's a visitor from far away because I don't <laughs> want to be making fun of a visitor on the air and then she hears it. Oh, no. But she had just been up to the column and she said, boy, those people at the column have their facts wrong. Uh-oh. And I said, uh-oh. You know, what, what, what? They, they had a note that said John Jacob Astor did not die on the Titanic. And I said, well, he didn't. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, he did. And I said, no, that was John Jacob Astor the fourth. That's, that's the great-grandson. And she goes, see, John Jacob Astor died on the Titanic. <laughs> and I said, no, <laughs> the John Jacob Astor uh, that we think of in terms of Astoria was long dead by the time the Titanic sailed. That was his great grandchild. I have to agree, though. She was also correct. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> but you're correct that you were both referring to different people. But in her mind, it was still John Jacob I'm like, Astor. Different guy. There's there's numbers after him. Don't kill him yet. Oh. <laughs> so Okay. Well good and, to know. And then she decided she was gonna have none of my nonsense and, and she gave me a sigh and turned around and walked oh, away. Man. <laughs> at least you already got the money. So that's right. <laughs> so to my friends at the Astoria column, well done. <laughs> well, you I tried. Liked, I like your sign, you tried. <laughs> yes. So even though at least one visitor didn't quite get it. <laughs> So that's okay. Anyway, it happens. So anything else? <laughs> no, that was it. <laughs> Shall we get to the, uh, the big it. history highlights? These yeah. are the things that happen tomorrow. January 23rd, 1556. Ooh. And, and this one, I have to admit, I didn't know anything about. And it, it reinforces, I mean, I, I know I am guilty of being an Americanist in terms of history. I, I, I'm not really all that jazzed by history around the world. That's I like fine. American history. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of sad that, Probably nobody listening knows about this. 1556, the deadliest earthquake in the his, in history of the, of the planet, rocks China, a uh, place called Zhangzai uh, in China, kills an estimated 830,000 people. Yeah, I saw that. Almost a million people in an earthquake. And it's and, fascinating that they had that record. I mean, that too yeah. 
it's, yeah. it's something to, that I mean, they to can, note. That they can figure it out. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it was only like an 8.4 or something. Oh, man. But, but it happened at night, and, and it hit three major metropolitan areas for hmm. the time period and shoddy housing. Yeah. At nighttime, people were trapped. Yeah. And then it kept hitting uh, throughout the next morning. There were aftershocks that just added to it. But 830,000, what, yeah. a, what a tragedy. Uh, and yeah. We don't know anything about it. All right, uh, 1849, Elizabeth Blackwell becomes the first U.S. woman to receive a medical degree. I liked that one. I would go see her. Of course. I'm always perplexed by people that, well, I want a man doctor or I want a woman doctor. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> as long as you're going to cure me, as long as you're going to make me better. As long as she got her degree. Right. Well, that's true. I do care about <laughs> yes. that. Yes, exactly. Those letters at the end of the name. I'm a doctor in English literature. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't help me. Uh, 1968, the USS Pueblo is captured. Okay. Boo hiss, North North Korea. What are you doing? Okay. Um, 1977, the miniseries Roots premieres on ABC. Oh. I remember that one. And it yeah. always bothers me. Lauren Green is such a mean guy in that. Yes, he is. Ben Cartwright. <laughs> he's supposed to be beloved. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's like this evil guy. All right. Um, let's see. 1983, the A-Team premieres on NBC. <laughs> Oh. I, I pity the fool. Yeah, that's a good one, too. <laughs> uh, it has nothing to do with Oregon, but it, it makes <laughs> me laugh. 1997, Madeline Albright becomes the first female Secretary of State. I love her. And you met her and interviewed her. Did you interview her or just meet her? Nope, not her. I didn't oh. meet her. I met Donna Shalala. Uh, hmm. Yes. Nope, not Madeline Albright. I would swear you said. I'm going to have to go back to the archives. Ooh, are you? You'll, you'll do a Google you search. You heard her speak or you... Madeline Albright. Because one time else, one one other time we mentioned her and you, hmm. or, or am I thinking of like Sandra Day O'Connor? I went to Sandra Day O'Connor school in Phoenix or Mesa, nah. Arizona. I thought it was a Florida thing. Well, there's Janet Reno. That's who I'm thinking of. Yes. All right. I and yes, I did interview her. Okay. Her little red truck. Yes. She did a, yep, a tour when she was running for governor. Okay. Janet Reno. Yeah. I'm in the same time period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably true, right? I, yeah. I think Janet Reno's probably younger. All right. Yeah. Probably. But our history highlight of the day, and it's a tie. Okay. And I know you're going to go ahead and, and argue, and I can be out, since we have a guest, <laughs> I can be outvoted here. But the two things I think had the most impact on history that happened on this day, and it's the cultural impact, not necessarily the significance, because okay. they're both kind of stupid. <laughs> but I think, But I think they had a big impact. So we'll go in uh, in order of time period. 1957, the toy company Whammo produces wow. the first frisbee. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. now yeah. frisbees everywhere, and and people advertise on them. It's a toy that every and then Whammo goes on to make other things. Yeah. And in 1984, Hulk Hogan beats the Iron Sheik to win the first <laughs> WWF title. And it makes like wrestling this huge thing, rock and roll connection with MTV. And oh, it does. It, it kind of goes nuts the... for 20 years, 40, okay. yeah, 30 years. Well, remember when they used to have wrestling here? I don't, but I've, I've researched a little bit. Yeah, oh. that, yeah. that was one of our, we got to go over there and watch that fake wrestling. Yeah. Pastime. Yeah. Oh. And there was one guy, um, he's, he's a family that's been here for a while, Leo Tick Malarkey, Malar- Malarkey, I think, um, was like one of the people that performed once or twice, or he was the guest referee or something, um, back in like the forties or fifties. Wow. So, well, both uh, are yeah. I so I'll say I'll go with frisbee or disc because yeah. disc golf, and this is a good transition. Mm-hmm. We have a fabulous disc golf course over at Historic 
Fort Stevens. I haven't played that one. It's and it's so popular. You don't even have to play. You can just go hike it too. It's a mm-hmm. great hiking trail. Yeah, um, I took my granddaughter over there and we went the first four holes, and after that, she says, "I've had enough of this." <laughs> <laughs> so she went down to the, the right. river and walked on the beach for a little bit and then said, we got to go home now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's become quite a little destination too, because people search out disc golf courses, mm-hmm. um, but it's 18 holes or whatever you call it, just 18 something. Nets, I don't know. So you can spread out. So even on a busy day, everyone's mm-hmm. still really. And they're expanding out. a little bit more too. So they have more than 18. Right. Wow. Yeah. And then they move them. I learned that they, too. So the, do they really? They do. So if you just, when you think you're getting the hang of it, they'll move the, I need to learn the term of whatever the thing is that you throw the disc in. The baskets. And, <laughs> the baskets. And it's just like golf. You know, you get used to playing golf at a certain uh, hole you're shooting at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they take and move that hole around on the grass. So now you have to do it's a different, different stroke. You got to relearn it all. I yeah. don't like that. I love it. Yeah. Same thing <laughs> with the Frisbee golf. But heads up when you're hiking it. <laughs> you might get hit by a... Yeah. So. yeah. I remember one time I took my uh, kid's scout troop to the one at the fairgrounds before they took it away. Oh. And there was a group of like four H'ers doing archery. Ooh. Ooh. And, and we were kind of <laughs> like, are we far enough away? Yeah. Because you kind of are down, I mean, up range because it's like way up the hill that the Frisbee is. But still. And we were like... Kids, morons with frisbees coming through. Put your put your arrows up. <laughs> and of course, they recognized some of the leaders, and they're like, "Go ahead and fire, kids!" <laughs> oh, great! And all I got is frisbees. I can't, you know. Right? Yeah, you can't I, do I can't anything. Can't retaliate back. with a frisbee. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so Bert, tell us a little bit about what you do. Or, or no, let's we'll go back. Yeah. How did you end up here on the North Coast? Well, uh, I was born in Pendleton. And then I was raised in Hermiston for till I was 12 years old. Then when my mom remarried, we moved out here. We came here when I was in the sixth grade. Okay. And so the first thing that I really noticed about living here was it's not dusty and it's not hot in the summer and cold in the winter. It is rainy, but I was down at the beach and I noticed that the, the smell of the salt air and all that stuff, this was clear back in the 1962 era, mm-hmm. the, the moisture and salt air sticks with you. And I still remember that first instance of going down to the beach and having that fresh air, salt air. And so had you the, liked had, it. Had that been your first time yeah. to the beach? Yes. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you again? I was 12 years old. 12. Yeah. That is quite an impactful age. Yes. And what we did, my dad was a fisherman. And so my first experience of fishing, he took us up to La Push, Washington. And we stayed in a little log cabin for $5 a night. <laughs> and then uh, we got to go out day fishing with him while he was out there. So we got broke in on the ocean. And then when we came back, we, you know, we, we stayed at home. He did the fishing trip up and down from Westport to La Push and all that stuff. And then uh, as time went on, uh, we were at Fort Stevens Junior High at that time. Oh, okay. And so we had to be bused there, and then we had we played sports there. And after that, we were bused home. And so basically, uh, we had more freedom. We only had, when I first moved here, we had 1,200 in Warrington. We had 810 in Hammond, and there was 42,000 people in whole Classic County, and the logging roads were open so we can ride our bikes up there. So we had a 
there were seven of us that lived in the area out by Camp Rilea. So we got to go travel on all the logging roads, get lost in the blackberries, <laughs> pick blackberries and all that stuff. But uh, the adventure was great when I was little. And where was Fort, it was Fort Stevens Junior Fort High? Fort Stevens Junior High. Is that out in Hammond? Out in, out in Hammond, it's at Fort Stevens, yeah, right, it up, was at- right by the cemetery out there. Oh, okay. You know where the um, playground is out there? Yes. It's that open field. Yeah. It was right there. Oh, okay. So it's not there anymore. It's not. They took it it away. Okay. But it's where the playground is. Interesting. Yeah, we love that playground. Yeah. It's a good little (laughs) playground. Yeah. Yeah. So so then what, uh, who are some of the people that you went on these back roads with? Are they still around? Uh, Butch Ryan, he, we went, uh, I'll tell you a little story about him. <laughs> we both joined the uh, Navy at the same time. It's called the catch program. And in our senior year, as our, you graduate, then you have your little graduation party. Well, I sprained my ankle and we were supposed to go to boot camp together the next day. Well, I was behind two weeks. He, he went down to San Diego two weeks ahead of me. So when I got to go down there, I don't know how he figured out how he did this, but he got to ride a bicycle and go around and carry messages to all the other companies. He found out what company I was in, so he'd come around and say, guess what you guys are going to be doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to uh, get an advance notice on what we're supposed to be doing down there. <laughs> of wow. the brutality yeah. the next yeah. day, <laughs> the hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how long were you in the Navy then? I was in active duty for eight years. I spent, uh, I went to radio school down in San Diego, went to Australia, went on the USS Constellation, which is at that time was the largest conventional aircraft carrier in its time. Then I re-enlisted when I was over combat zone over in Vietnam and I got Hawaii for the next four years. So that was pretty cool. And what made you join the Navy? Uh, I always wanted to join the Navy. You know, I put in, you know, because my dad was a fisherman, so I wanted to be on the water. And I thought, oh, we'll get on the, get in the Navy and they'll teach you how to run a boat. Well, thinking that you're going to get one of those little tugboats that pushes the big ships around, they, I didn't get that. <laughs> I got aircraft carrier. <laughs> oh. So, but uh, it was still a good experience. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to go on one of those destroyers where you had to follow the aircraft carriers and bounce up and down all the time. Ooh, yeah. And then uh, after I got out of the Navy, I went right into tugboating, and I worked for Napton at that time. Well, KW Marine was Napton Willamette Oil Company, where I fueled up the ships out here in the river. Then I went to uh, join, I, I got to switch companies, went to Bohemia, who did the jetty works in the South Jetty here on the river, uh, Newport, Garibaldi. Uh, we went down to San Diego and did some, you know, where the cathedral is down there on the bay down there. Yeah. We carried rocks down there for that. And we did that. I did that for about 28 years, but it went from bricks maritime to uh, uh, Napton, bricks, and then Foss maritime. Hmm. Wow. A lot to digest there um, because I'm fascinated by moving rocks and, and the jetties. <laughs> but back to, you know, we, we watch toes and tugs go up and down the river and i think so many of us landlubbers don't really quite know when you're when you're doing one of those how far are you going and and where are you picking up and give us some details of what that job is okay what we my main thing is when we first started we did uh 
going from San Diego, carry it, taking lumber down to San Diego. And we'd take tandem tows, two barges at a time. Then we'd come back, grab another load, and then we'd go uh, to L.A., go in there. And then we'd switch. Uh, for two years, we worked for uh, uh, an oil company that hauled asphalt. We went down to San Francisco, got the asphalt, came up and took it up to Portland. And then later on, when, we, uh, when the company got uh, into the wood business, wood chips, we started hauling chips from Port Angeles to Rainier. And you tow them out, you take them and you tow them behind your boat when you're in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then our skippers were good enough where they got to tow them all the way up to Rainier. Because we just shorten up our tow and they can stay in the river all the way. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, uh, the Coast Guard came out and said that you, you have to make up to your toes in the river. So we had to start doing that. <laughs> How long does the trip take to San Diego or uh, San Francisco? 12 to 15 days, depending on, you know, we go out 50 miles and then you hang a left and <laughs> head on down. <laughs> and then, then our Garibald, our, uh, our Aberdeen runs were about 36 to 48 hours from the time we take off takes three days you know by the time we leave rainier go out in the ocean come back in get chips then go back out and come into rainier three-day trip wow then you're off for a little bit and you turn around and you go again and and what about weather i mean if if the seas are getting rough do you pull in somewhere or do you just you try to go around it or what's sometimes uh like we we had uh, Dave Smelzer was our we call him Big Wave Dave. <laughs> I don't want to go out to see what Big Wave Dave. <laughs> yeah, we would go out there and invariably we would uh, get twenty foot swells. Sometimes we get thirty foot swells, and then the storm would come up or something like that. Well, sometimes you have to turn and go with it, and uh-huh. then you just kind of go with it till it slows down enough, and then you turn around and you head back down again. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> See, I can picture like an aircraft carrier going through something right. like that and feeling somewhat safe on it, but something small that like size that. and towing something, I just, ugh, wow. Yeah. It's amazing. So mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, you met your lovely wife, Debbie. Yes. yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I met her at a crab festival. Oh. It, that's when they had it down in Hammond. Oh, funny. Mm-hmm. And she was in a cast at that time. And what was uh, funny was she, when we she worked with uh, uh, one of her see what's her one of her uh, friends that, that knew me uh, and she says you should go with Bert and and she says you know because that time you know you're you're at a crab festival so you have a few more drinks than you're supposed to have <laughs> and all that stuff <laughs> she says oh that guy that was staggering around there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she remembers you. Yeah. And, and Excellent first impression. Yeah. yeah. And, but it worked out really good. And and we've been married for 22 years now. So. Oh, Amazing. Cool. That's great. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how many other people have met at Crabfest. Mm, I don't they should know. like put the call out at some anniversary and have like you as all like celebrity guests or something. Oh, that would be cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're yeah. the only couple. Who knows? Yeah. So, so after, so then you've retired, so now you've retired from the military, then you went and worked in the private sector, you've retired from that, and then you still went and worked in public service. Yeah, well, what I did before that, as soon oh, as geez. I retired from the towboat, uh, class of college asked me if I would help yeah. teach uh, Mert's maritime school. So I did that from 2010 to 2015, teaching the, the boat. On the handling, boat. On the boat handling stuff. And 
uh, I was fished in to come in and doing that. Say, hey, that's pretty easy. So I said, okay. So I went in there. It was real simple. Then after about a couple months, they said, well, now we have to rewrite the program. So <laughs> can you help us do that? <laughs> so that worked good. And it ended up being before I left, the maritime industry was accredited by the U.S. Coast Guard for being the first community college to have a maritime training program. I love it. And, and how many kids went through that program that just while you were there? Because I think that's a fantastic program. Oh, it's a fantastic one. When I first started, we only had five people. And to throw, throw another variable in there, they were redoing the bottom of the boat. And so the first year, I didn't have a boat. No. Oh. So I had every I had four or five people and we just we drew the boat on the ground and we did all that stuff and we went over to Tongue Point and visited the Tongue Point people and got on their boat and then uh, the second year I had about nine or ten and it got to where when I finally retired I had about fifteen people hmm. and then now a few years back they had like twenty some people and a year. A year. They go through the problem. Yeah. And just the first group that came through, I, some of them are, are deckhands at, uh, down San Francisco. There's three or four of them that are still working here. A couple of them are, are running the boat for the pilot boats. Some of them are, uh, have gone up into the river pilots and a couple of them are still going up and down in the river. And some of them are working on fishing boats. Mertz nice. is an amazing program. It really is. Mark and I toured the program when Bert was still working, and so we went on the boat with him, and he talked about it too, because it's such an opportunity for these young men and women right. who are interested mm-hmm. in doing something that's here or that can take them anywhere. Anywhere. Like, I mean, anywhere around the world. And it's a great, they're great jobs, and yeah. they're great paying, and if that's your passion... Yeah. I mean, to go out to sea or, or be on the river. I mean, that's... It, and to yeah. try it out, to see if you yes. like it too. I mean... <laughs> right. That's, what, that's yeah. what I did when, when I was running it. I always made sure we always went out in the ocean at the right time so they could see if they can get seasick or not. Yeah. We'd go around the sea buoy. Then we'd come back and you could tell the ones that says... This is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it is good to find out, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So I'll try that accounting program instead. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But so, I had a great time. And when I was growing up, another little a good story is my grandma would come down and stay with us. You know, uh, we used to live with her before we moved down here. Well, she'd come down here and we got to go out and pick daffodils. Oh, I love it. And we had a daffodil area right where I live. And then... Uh, she would help us pick the daffodils and we'd go out and we'd sell them for yeah. $2 a bunch, wow. you know, and. So you were here, right? I mean, when the, they started the, the tradition of putting the daffodil cross up over at the church by, cause you lived right over there. Yep. Right by it. And then as a matter of fact, my daughter-in-law's family is the one that does that every year, you know? Oh, okay. So, so they, they pretty involved in that part. Oh, how fun. I kind of, that's like, to me, it's, it's one of the changing of the seasons. Like we yep. look for Christmas lights. We look for the, the daffodils. Yeah. Right. Flowers. It's so true. Yeah. So talk yeah. a little bit about the, the jetty. I'm, I'm kind of amazed at uh, you're moving the rocks for the jetty backing up here. It, how many are you hauling? Or are they, are they telling you where to place them? Or are you just like letting a, somebody else <laughs> pick them out of a crane and throw them in the right spot? Or Right. Corps of Engineers is the one that runs that program. Mm-hmm. And so we were getting our rocks up out of Camas, Washington. So we would go up on the riverboat, get the rocks. There was two different divisions, a river division and an ocean division. Mm-hmm. They would go up with the empty barge, get it loaded. It takes them about 
two days to get it loaded and then come back down. Then we take the, the jetty rocks when we we're going down to Garibaldi. We'd go down there. You have to time it just right for the tides. You get in there at a certain time. You drop the loaded barge off, grab the empty, and then head back up. And then they, they have a crane that's right stationed right there. It's on a barge also. So they're offloading the rocks and getting ready for the next barge. And so it takes about two days. And then we'd go back down. As soon as we got our next load, we'd head back down there again and swap out the barges. Is that one of the heaviest things that you've ever moved? Uh, no, our, one of our biggest one was a, uh, a piece of equipment for the Grand Coulee Dam. Mm. We had to go down with an empty barge down to Mexico, go in as far as we could. A ship would come in. They would offload that uh, generator or turbine, whatever it is, onto our barge. And then we had to go in further into the bay and drop it off at high tide. Oh. And then they had a great big, uh, the movers that have 125 wheels, they, had to, they couldn't go through on the main highways because it was too heavy of a load. Oh, so they went the back roads and we did that. So that was probably one of the <laughs> oh, big things. Amazing. Um, so another pastime of yours uh, that takes up a lot of your time is your involvement with the VFW. Tell us what led you to get involved with them and then some of the service projects you're working on now. Okay. Uh, when I was uh, coming, got out of the service and I retired and everything, uh, I don't know if you know Leroy Dunn. Everybody mm -hmm. knows Leroy Dunn. Love Leroy. He talked us into joining the VFW, which I, I did. And then as time went on, uh, he he had projects that he wanted us to do. He wanted us to do the, uh, the monument that you see down in Warrington. Mm -hmm. So we finished that for him. That was a, a project he started over 30 years ago f from today. The we, one by the post office. The one by the post mm -hmm. office. Yeah. We do that. We do that program. And we just wanted to give back to the community because we, when I was growing up, we had the Burgersons, we had uh, uh, the fishermen, uh, lumber companies. Everybody came out and they helped us uh, redo the baseball field out at Fort Stevens. And so that was a community thing. And so what I wanted to do was give back like we could. And then my wife joined the auxiliary. She says, well, I'm not going to join the auxiliary. Well, she, I cast her again, asked her again about after the third time, she said, I'll give it a try, but I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> well, she loved it so much that she took it, took the bull by the horns and she is a, a mover and a, a shaker. She's the one that organizes all of our Thanksgiving dinner that we give Christmas programs, uh, Reefs Across America, which we just finished that. We just picked up the reefs today. And uh, uh, she, she's involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, trick or trunk, you know, yeah. trunk or treat. Yeah, and then uh, Easter egg hunts and uh, you name it. Uh, that's what we do. We, we just want to give back to the community any way we can. Mm -hmm. And it's a nonprofit organization and we take all donations. So if somebody, <laughs> if somebody is not a member and they're not a veteran, but they, they recognize the good that, that you have done and that you are doing, how would, how can they support you? Uh, we, we have a online, uh, web page. So if you go to VFW dot, uh, .org, that's our webpage, and if you go to VFW AUX 10580, that's the auxiliary one, and we have a little donate donation button there, or you can uh, send us a check or whatever you want to do to PO Box 233, Warrington, Oregon, 
888-900-97146. Perfect. And how many members are there? Well, when we first started, we had 42 members. And then as time grew, we have uh, 122 right now. But out of the 122, there's just like every other organizations, we have maybe 15 that show up for our meetings. The auxiliary has more than us because they're younger generation than us. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the reason why we're so, we get so short is our guys are getting older. Sure. Mm -hmm. And they don't like driving at night. So (laughs) that's the reason why a lot of them don't come. Um, So to wrap it up, what has kept you here on the North Coast since you came when you were 12 years old and then traveled all over, but you're, you're still here? I just like the, the lack of all the, the traffic, except for now the traffic is getting really bad. But <laughs> <laughs> before, you know, you could giddy up and go anytime you want and everything. But now it's getting, uh, we're still, I still, I live out in the country. So it's, you know, I'm not right next to somebody else all the time. But you still have the freedom. It's a small town feeling. And the city is really, really good for the VFW. They've been over backwards to help us with all of our activities that we do. And so that might be the best answer to that question we've ever gotten. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We should bring you back uh, because the time went way too fast, but uh, thanks for listening. Go make some history and we will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An adventure in history is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.